Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where, every week, we read all of the chapters on Visit Shonen Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And all summer, it's it's hot and feels like summer now, I have two fans on me and I'm still sweltering, we're going to be reading Shonen. So we read One Piece Volume 3 this week. Yep. Because that's one of our favorite Shonen series, and there was no One Piece and jump this week yeah so it was nice to go back and still get one piece this week yeah so shall we just get into jump one pieceless jump yes which started with the promised neverland chapter 179 compensation what did you think of this chapter kevin i'm still liking it i do like that so everybody wakes up on the beach on liberty island and is like yes we did it we made it to the human world where's emma <laughs> and yeah and she's 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 missing, and all the kids are like, "I knew it! There, I knew there had to be some kind of trick." Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, why would she do that when she was always telling us like not to just take the the burden on ourselves?" She was always like, "Hey, let's do it all together." And so it is a decent mystery. I talked about last week about how I found that to be an odd beat, and I still kind of do, mm-hmm. even with this being where it went. It's not like, ah, oh, what's he doing? I have no idea. But it does genuinely seem kind of strange to me to do the story like this. Mm-hmm. Like this Emma is missing story. Especially since we know it's near the end. And I'm not saying they should have ended it earlier. Because I don't necessarily want it to end. But escaping the demon world would have been a triumphant point. Maybe it would have been too easy a point. I think that's a fair argument to make. Mm-hmm. I am interested to see where it goes, but I'm not, like, as excited as I've been for it in the past, is I guess what I'm saying. Okay. Like I said, just the choices in the pacing, I find kind of odd. Interesting, but kind of odd. Gotcha. I'm actually really liking it. Um, I like the fact that they're like, well, did he leave Emma in the demon world? No, if she worded the promise the way that we agreed on there's no way he would have been able to do that and then at the very end of the chapter we see emma in a field of snow with some yeah. boots next to her um also the retiri clan because this is 2047 yes i wrote it down and so they're like we already know what's going on so we're going to help take care of you the human world underwent a bunch of huge crises and has turned into one nation. Cause like we had to band together to survive a bunch of natural disasters and a world war that lasted 10 years, which is awfully convenient, but and an interesting choice, but not necessarily a bad one. Yeah. I suppose I do see the merit of an arc without Emma since she's such a, she is basically the main character, but it was always sort of a more ensemble book. I do think you get a lot of dynamics out of that. Yeah. So I can see why you would want to do that. Just well, like I said, the pacing of the way it all went down is kind of odd to me. Because I think he obviously he sent Emma back to the human world still, but she's in a remote location, so maybe he sent her there to do something. Yeah, that's possible. Like that's my that was my thought. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where the rest of the series is going to go. Yeah. Definitely. I just find the choices odd, and I didn't get 
a lot of this chapter. A lot of the chapters this week I felt were just kind of beats. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And this just felt like a real, real weird beat because this was not really set up last week. Like last week was almost setting up the opposite. Now it's the swerve. It's just a weird choice to me that I think I'll have a better grasp on where it's going, you know, when the story's over mm-hmm. and I can see the point of it. But as a chapter itself, I found it just kind of odd. Okay. That brings us to My Hero Academia number 273, The Thrill of Destruction, which honestly also kind of felt like a beat to me. A bigger, more important beat. Yes. With some like pretty big reveals in it. But I think part of it is, like I keep saying, I want us to get back to Deku and Bakugo and Todoroki, and we get them for a bit of this. Yeah. Kind of a disaster movie, and I did like that bit, but then it's just cutting to a bunch of fighting with the older characters. And I don't really think that accomplishes much, honestly. Like, that's not even just me not liking it. The last page, which is Endeavor going after Shigaraki, like, that's super important. I get that totally. Yeah. And it's a good cliffhanger to end on. But a lot of it is just kind of feels like filler, because it's not like they're reacting to what Shigaraki did, and we already know they're there. Yeah, I think a bunch of it is just setting up. A bunch of the beats. So we've got Toga going crazy. Yeah, the Toga stuff was one of the things I was going to say as an exception of like, that's a development of the story. Yeah. And I did like that bit. And also we find out that they made a bunch of the quirk curing bullets, although they may have been destroyed. And Shigaraki has control over his power now. It's not just that it's more powerful. He can, you know, touch things without destroying them. Well, he says that, but he's still holding it without all of his fingers. Which is something, honestly, that I like. So he says, he, oh, I've got control over what I can destroy, but he's still only gripping it with, like, two or three fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just habit for him. Yeah. But I liked the Toga thing, and it's, I agree with you, it's just kind of a beat setting up. All right, so Jigatamantio's getting ready to g- throw down. Toga's throwing down. Hawks has been saved by Tokayami, and Fat Gum's getting involved. Yeah, I just don't think we needed any of that set up. The Togus thing is the one exception. And like I said, the Shigaraki stuff and like the end with him and Endeavor, I think all that's good. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it just felt like, I don't want to say filler, that feels like the wrong word for it. But it felt like he was like, oh, I'm getting paid by the page here. I need a full chapter this week. But Mm -hmm. I don't really have a full chapter of story between where I am and my cliffhanger. Although I did enjoy it quite a bit. I'm being pretty down on it. The stuff that's in there that's good, I did enjoy. It just a lot of it, like I said, felt like extra. Anything else you wanted to say on my hero? Nope. That will lead us to Time Paradox Ghost Rider Chapter Three. You have a kind. What did you think of Ghost Rider this week, Kevin? This was an interesting direction for their relationship to go. I agree. It's certainly not what I expected. I found this to be a very interesting chapter in a lot of ways, especially. Like, the message at the core of it, especially when you contrast it with this week's Act Age chapter. Mm-hmm. And then just where my thoughts have been a lot this week, I've been consuming a lot of media lately with the, you know, we're finally getting out of the stay-at-home stuff. But mm-hmm. I haven't had a job. I've been consuming a lot of media, which means I've been thinking a lot of media. About, about media, rather. And I've been thinking a lot about, like, this is going to sound really pretentious, but the dangers of consuming media without critiquing it or criticizing it or thinking about it Mm -hmm. 
And so, like, this is just set up in, like, total opposition to Act Age when, like, the... I should have wrote down the female lead's name, but she confronts the main character and he briefly thinks she's going to try to kill him because of the yep. sort of pen she has. But she's just like, is there anything that only you can draw? And he's like, oh, I'm a phony, like, all throughout art school. Like, my teachers would always ask me that. My editor asked me that when I was a kid and I started, I would just, like, draw One Piece fanfic, basically. And everyone would tell me how amazing it was. And he's like, yep. no, I don't. And she's like, oh, my God, we're the same. Like, I knew it. That's that's why he created my, we have the same thought. It's parallel thinking. Yep. And she's, like, totally into it. And she's like, but I'm not going to lose you. Like, I also want to create something that's just pe- something people like. Yeah. Which is just a real interesting message. Yeah. I, I've been dominating this. I have other thoughts. But what did you think about it? I also thought it was really weird with the, because I was expecting them to do a kind of team up thing mm-hmm. almost with her being like, because especially when he first sees her, she's like, these are my storyboards of white Knight," And he's like, yeah, these are the same characters, but the stuff isn't as good. Yeah. I actually do like that. That the reason, you know, she's not making her debut in 10 years, but the reason she's making this awesome story is 10 years. And not now is that she's not like a genius. She figures it out. Yeah. Like, she needs more time to cook, so to speak. And the rival angle at the end, she's basically like, I won't lose to you. Like, I'm going to make something even better than White Knight is interesting. It makes sense for your second strongest character to be a rival. The problem with Time Paradox, and I think the reason we expected it to go maybe the more generic direction, is that the main character really doesn't have anyone to bounce off of. Yeah. Like, there's no character for him to interact with. Yeah, so we'll see what happens next chapter. I'm still interested, and it she still might come back immediately and be like... Yeah, no, she could be in the next chapter. Well, and I don't... Like, she might come back and be like, why don't we team up if we both have the th- same thought process? Like, that's what I was thinking, especially with the, oh, we both literally thought up the same story, and he's like, no, I, I pirated your work. Uh-huh. But she, like, doesn't believe him necessarily. Yeah. She, like I said, she just assumes it's parallel thinking, which is interesting. Yeah, maybe she'll show up to his apartment and he'll be like, look, it's jump from the future. Yeah. Or, like, do his jump from the futures expire? Like, that's something I feel is vague about. Like, because he couldn't find the first one when he tried again, but... We haven't seen if he's been able to find the other yeah. volumes. Yeah. And just back to what I was kind of getting about just a bit. Clearly, this is a somewhat personal story, right? Yeah, I have a feeling this artist was probably told, hey, you need to be more original, like draw something only you can draw, and was frustrated by it. So I just am kind of wondering what the message is, or is it like a critique? Is it saying things like One Piece are just, you know, there to please people and don't have anything going on behind them? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that either. I just found it very peculiar, especially with how much I like the series so far. And then, like you said, the weird direction it's going with its characters. Because it kind of only has two. Yeah. And it's not putting them together. And it's been very good about this character's internal monologue and his internal conflict. So maybe he just wants to go with that some more. Mm-hmm. Like, I still enjoyed it. It was just a very odd chapter. Anything else you wanted to say on it? Nope. That will bring us to Dr. Stone, Z equals 152, Doctor versus Doctor. Which felt like a kind of just a chapter of Dr. Stone in a lot of ways, but... We do at least get some stakes for this other doctor. And for the first time to me, he felt like he was an actual threat. 
because I guess we've been talking about how we're excited for this story because there's like a a genuine antagonist. Mm -hmm. But there's been part of me that's like, you know, he hasn't really done anything antagonistic yet. Like, yes, he shot at you, but. Yeah. That doesn't prove he's evil. Like, Senku might have done the same. Like, especially with like they're really going driving home how similar to Senku he is. Yeah. Well, even then, he's not specifically trying to kill them. Like, no. he was like, no, yes, yes, my dude shot at you, but that was more of a show of force of, like, we have guns. Mm -hmm. uh, because he's kind of, I like how he's arrogant in the fact that he's like, we're adults. You're just a bunch of yeah. stupid kids. Uh-huh. And I like, I like that that's his foil, especially because they realized he doesn't have the revival fluid perfected. Yes. Uh, don't get me wrong, I do really like it. I just think my problem with the story until this point was that there was no reason for me to think Senku shouldn't just go at this diplomatically. Yeah. And for the first time, there kind of is one. Yes. And I do like the stakes established here that he's like, hey, we have this factory. And they're like, what does that mean? And Senku's like, oh, that means they can just produce machine guns and bullets. They have, like, not unlimited resources, but effectively. But like you said, they haven't. It will take time, but I c we can produce gunpowder, gunpowder forever, essentially. Uh -huh. And but like you said, his limitation is he hasn't done perfected the revival fluid, so their numbers are very limited. Yeah, I like the fact that he also didn't even think of. He's like, oh, only the smartest people were able to be roused by a dose yeah. of nitric acid, and like didn't even think. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Other people shouldn't have been able to wake up, too. Like, he didn't even attempt what? to... I mean, he might have, but it makes it seem like he didn't even attempt to get the revival fluid going at all, where that was Senku's main thing. That's true, although to some degree, early on, it seemed like Dr. Stone was kind of implying only those people could be revived. It clearly went a different direction, but like Senku's like, yeah, I was able to do it because I was counting the entire time, and I know Taiju would like was probably thinking about his love confession he was about to do the entire time. So I'm sure he's, you know, still got an active mind. Like mm -hmm. there was sort of the threat that like the mind could decay over all that time and likely would. Yeah. But even then it wasn't like, like he had that thought, but he didn't have the, the idea that it's like, Oh, it just wouldn't work. Cause he was still mm -hmm. trying with people. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I really like the contrast. So it's like, worst case scenario is they wake up dead, essentially. Like, oops, mine went. Yeah. And that's not my fault. <laughs> and then I just have to cure that. Yeah. Also, still, I really want to know if they ever interact with Ray, the robot. Yeah. I mean, but that's a future plotline, though. That's probably not going to happen in the short. No. Because they're on a different continent. Yes. But, yeah, I'm still quite enjoying this arc for Dr. Stone. Anything else you wanted to say on it? Nope. That leads us to Act Age Scene 114, Actor's Dream Part 2. Which, like I said, is a almost direct contrast to the Time Paradox Ghost Rider chapter. Yeah. Since, as we know, the director, like, his whole thing is just like, hey, I've got to make this. And even says to Kay, like, that's a movie I made when they watched this movie back when I was 20. It was the movie I could make at the time, but like I have this movie in me that I have to make. And I have to get out. And that's the project I want to do with you. 
Yeah. And I did really like that. I did really like the, it's not just that I want to make a great, this great movie. I have to make it now. Well, and that's what act age has kind of been all about on a level anyway. Like that very common artist idea that you have to like produce like the greatest artists. It's not like breathing, but it's like therapy. If you don't create something like, that's just going to be in your head the entire time and it'll drive you mad. It was what the entire previous arc was about. Mm-hmm. Was that creator trying to get out their feelings and even like the resolution of their arc was like, okay, I did. So now I can't create anymore, which I don't think is realistic, but does make a story sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was just super interesting. In, like I said, in direct contrast to time paradox, Ghost Rider, which is like, ah, oh, white Knight is the best manga of all time. And it's, comes from nowhere like there's no impetus or idea for it it's just i don't want to say generic i think to a degree it must be right and that's part of why we never see it mm-hmm. but it's like this almost formulaic like it's just shonen it's action and transformations and cute it, heroines and all the stuff you want it could be that i i think they're just doing the thing of if you want to make this is the best manga ever don't ever show it because then somebody will try and yeah. compare it to other manga. Like, as long as it's just an idea of this is the best manga ever, it's fine. I agree with you. I'm just saying that, like, because you're not showing it, it can be any. It can be both, right? Yes. It but, can be whatever it needs to be within the story. It, but it also might be that White Knight isn't, su- like, I don't know if that's what they're going for, that they want it to be, oh yeah, this is just, this hits all the buttons perfectly, so everybody loves it. Because it took her 10 years to perfect it. So maybe it was, well, I mean, she was, you know, like maybe 15 when she started coming up with this story. And even though he says this isn't as good, that doesn't mean that it's not good when he reads and her also, storyboards. 10 years is plenty of time to get life experience and inject yeah. something there, right? So, like, it's possible that future parallel timeline her, like, does have something only she can say. Yeah. And certainly I think Paradox Ghost Rider is trying to do something. I just found it very interesting and odd. Like I said, and especially to a companion piece to this, which is all about this director being like, I have this need I have to get out. Like, mm-hmm. you understand, right? And she's like, yeah, and I want to pick my own project. And he's like, soon, there's one more like piece you need. You just need to get one more scene, which is, or I guess one more job first, because I want like people in the boonies to have heard from you. And which is where we get a very interesting cliffhanger of her at an audition. Yes. And we see her competition and also that she is playing a real person when they were a teenager and yep. that person is like at the audition yeah. which is super interesting i guess we're skipping over the historical drama unless this is also supposed to be that i don't that was not my read on it but i suppose it's possible i think this was for the historical drama i mean we'll see i feel like i said the, my feeling was we're skipping over that but i could be wrong we will find out in the near future yeah cuz i don't know that she ever got told that that's what she was going to be doing. No, she has. So I think this is the historical drama. It just happens to be of a person who's still alive. Which is certainly possible. It just read to me weird. Mm-hmm. But like I said, that could easily be fixed next week. Yeah. And we will find out eventually. The thing that I really liked was the bit where, so she goes to the one movie and she's like, that felt totally out of character for that guy. Like, he's so prideful, he wouldn't, he might have, like, quietly sobbed, but he wouldn't have, like, you know, just started sobbing in the middle of the street. 
and yeah. the director being like, yeah, that's usually a case of the director and the actor not being totally in sync. And I feel like in reality, the writer is also involved in that as well. Like, cause the writer is generally the person who comes up with the, at least the baseline character. So if the three of them aren't in sync, something feels weird. To a degree, sure. Um, I Not to interrupt you, but just as someone who studied film and seriously considered a career in it, mm-hmm. the director has a tremendous amount of power when it comes to that. Once it leaves the writer's hands, like, it's gone. Like, like so much changes from production. Like, And, like, as someone who wanted to be a screenwriter, especially, it's just such a tremendous change. Mm-hmm. That you're you're certainly it's right. It could have been written that way, but it kind of would have been between the actor and the director to find a better way to do it. Like at some point, one of them becomes the guardian of the character in a way. Yes, most of the time. Well, and I Uh, I didn't mean that the writer was going to be constantly involved, but maybe the writer had the character set up differently for this crying scene. And then the actor that's possible. And the actor made choices earlier that causes it. Yeah, that causes conflict like that. Yeah, but I just loved that he was like. She's probably the scariest actor to work with, but she's also going to be one of the best because she's able to pick up on that instantaneously. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say on Actage? I quite liked it, which is part of why I don't have a lot to say. And also, uh, like I said, Time Paradox Ghostwriter was really just made me think, and Actage seemed a very weird companion to it. This mm-hmm. I'm good. That brings us to We Never Learn X equals 160. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty of the Literary Forest, part one. What did you think of We Never Learn? I really liked this We Never Learn. I liked that it did a bit of story rewriting to make this arc happen. Where instead of Yugia being the one to fall down the stairs, it was Furuhashi. It's very interesting to me that the first, you know, ending was just a, the story went up to that point, right? There's a little bit of a flash uh, forward at the very end, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like an epilogue more than anything. The second one, like, skips a lot of time and moves to a future part to tell that story. And this one has rewound. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting way of going about it. I also, like, uh, agree with you. I did like the rewind. It makes the opening of the chapter a little odd, because they start with a flashback to, like, probably the emotional high of this relationship. Yeah. Of Furuhashi and talking with her dad and, like, the laptop scene. It's not, we don't actually see that part, but. And then it goes on to, like, how that caused her to, like, go out of her way to see Yu-Gi-Oh! before finals, and that resulted in her being injured instead of him. Yeah. I also like her butler fantasy at the beginning and like the weird way in which it like it's a good gag when then you shows up to take care of her. Yep. But this felt like kind of an overstuffed chapter to me in some ways. Like I said, this is probably of the alternate endings, the one I'm most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. It just felt like not necessarily a weak start, but it really felt like, OK, now we have to hit the reset button in a way the one, Ogata one didn't. Yes, but. I also do like that because then it doesn't feel like each of these endings are, let me put the Ogata skin on the ending. Let me put the Furuhashi yeah. skin on the ending. Like, all right, each of these stories had to start and end differently. Yeah. So I really like that it's like, it's not just insert favorite waifu here. Like, all right, so this <laughs> yes. is how the Furuhashi arc would have gone. This is how the Ogata arc went, this is how the other arcs are going to go. And I really like that 
there's that distinction so that it's not all right you know stick for hashi and you know like i know some visual novel games are almost like that where it's like you get uh-huh. to the end of it and it's literally just all right so maybe a bit of the dialogue changes but literally all we did was just put whichever character you wanted to romance in the frame mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i definitely appreciate that as well it'll be interesting to see with the last two since like i said now we've gone back forward and parallel so you have to find another spin on it which I, to be fair i do trust the writer to do mm-hmm. but like this didn't get me excited to see them together in the way that like the ogata one as soon as that ghost showed up i was like oh gosh mm-hmm. like yes give this to me which is odd because this is the one i'm more looking forward to but it's got plenty of time to get back on its feet and like i said i still really appreciate the gag at the center of this chapter yeah yeah where she's been having butler visions and then I love that you're like, oh, is this another butler vision? And then she's like, wait a minute, you're really here? Yeah. Why are you wearing that? Dad, why are you okay with this? He's like, yeah. Lot says it's fine. Anything else you wanted to say on We Never Learn? Nope. Okay, last but not least, we have Guardian of the Witch number 16, Last Stand. What did you think of Guardian of the Witch this week? As downer as I want to... I don't want to make this sound. It just kind of felt like, yeah, that was a beat. Yeah. I mean, you've been more the Guardian of the Witch guy than I have this entire time. Mm-hmm. But and we've been talking about like how weird this fight seems, and like in this one, uh, Fafnir is like, "Oh, we're almost at our limit," but like that just so doesn't have a meaning after all the times they've gotten up in this arc, right? Yeah. And like, it's exactly the beat you expect, right? There's a yeah. face turn from the other Guardian, and that's kind of all that happens in it. And there's, it was set up fine, but the the catalyst in this chapter isn't very exciting so yeah and that's like i don't want to you know it sounds like i'm giving it a huge negative downbeat but it was just kind of like that was a beat that i was expecting which isn't yeah. bad but it kind of sucks that the, you know that was just exactly the beat that i was expecting yeah and that's something i say all the time but that's exactly what it was here mm-hmm. and it wasn't like sometimes the the beat you're expecting like is triumphant and it's the best possible thing right when it's set up right well also the other thing about it is that it's not a beat that i'm terribly interested in either like there's sometimes there's that confirmation for you of like yes that's exactly how i thought it was going to go and you're so happy Mm -hmm. that you guessed it and then like there's times in one piece where it's like yeah and then luffy's gonna punch the guy and it's like of course luffy's gonna punch the guy but like i'm so excited to see it so well, the thing, not to get too on One Piece, the thing One Piece is great is about having guys Luffy's about to punch just just step just far enough away for mm-hmm. so long that when it finally happens, you're just crazy excited to see it. And to be fair, Guardian of the Witch doesn't have that kind of time. Yeah. It's just what I've been saying about it the whole time. Yeah, this is shown in stuff, but like we're at the point now where it needs to show us something, I feel like. Yeah. Like, if this arc had been the previous one, the training arc, I'd have been saying a lot of the same things. Oh, this is kind of generic. But at that point, a generic arc is okay. Yeah. And we're kind of, I don't want to say past that point with it, but very much of the part, I want it to show me something. Like, I like the art style. I like the character. But it it doesn't have any spark. It's nothing special. And, like, I don't think it can survive like that. Certainly, Mm. I like it more than some other stuff, but... It's no Samurai 8 or Last Sayuki, and, you know, those are going to be on my mind forever. Mm-hmm. There are going to be so many manga that even survive that I'm going to be like, oh, but they're not as good as that, in my opinion. 
But I, yeah, I just don't think Guardian of the Witch has it, which is too bad. I hope I'm wrong. I hope like we get there soon. But if we don't, it won't be along much longer. Yeah. That's a depressing note. Anything else you wanted to say about Guardian of the Witch? Nope. Okay, on that bleak note, we will go into Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank everything in Shonen Jump and judge it even more, even the stuff we don't talk about. 19 chapters this week without One Piece. Should I even ask what you have at number 19, Kevin? It's a Gravity Boys. Yeah, I figured. I hike you at 19. I mean, we can have the exact conversation we've had the last three weeks, but I don't think it does us much good at this point. These are the series we have access to grind with. Yeah. I at least understood what Haikyuu was trying to do, so it went a bit higher for me. Yeah, and I appreciate that. A Gravity Boys... Like, here's the thing. I, I kind of skimmed both of them, but Haikyuu blazed over more. A Gravity Boys I was more checked in with. What do you have at 18? I actually have Bone Collection at 18. Okay. I just... I, I don't find it funny. I I'm not finding charm in any of it. I just find myself, like you said, when you were glazing over Haikyuu, that's exactly how I felt running through Bone Collection. You know, like, oh, the giant Macho Man's actually a small girl. Okay, that's a weird direction to take, but whatever. And then, oh, that's fine, I'm going to have you defeat this S-class yokai. Why can't you just go do it? Like, it just... I have I have a lot of thoughts on Bone Collection. I kind of want to save them for where I put it. That's fine. Which is a while down. I definitely got an odd vibe off this one, though. I'm not crazy surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. I have a Gravity Boys at 18. Okay. What do you have at 17? I have Haikyuu at 17. Like I said, I I understood what Haikyuu was trying to do. And it's like, ah, these are just characters that I just, I don't have the backstory for. But Mm -hmm. I do at least understand it's like, these are these guys overcoming the challenges that they faced in high school. And it's like, these are their answers to their problems that they had. And I was like, that's still kind of cool. I just don't know who these guys are. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 17 for very similar reasons to that. I mean, the fight scene looks cool, but I just don't care about any of these three characters Mm -hmm. or the person they're fighting. Yeah, I don't care about the person they're fighting, but I, I thought the fight scene was cool. And I like the Cthulhu ocean-themed dude. I have Mitama at 16. It did make me laugh a couple of times with the... Like, they had the guy that was clearly Ash Ketchum. Yeah, that that joke put it quite a bit higher for me, but that's exactly the the bit. Yeah. Lots of stuff around it. Like Also, the last page reveal. Like, I found that funny, too. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny as well. And I, I it the like Ash Ketchum ripoff really made me feel like there was a bunch of ripoffs of like B and C tier anime characters, and I don't know if they were or not, but it made me appreciate them in a weird way. Mm-hmm. The same thing that like makes me tingle where you see a like a Superman ripoff in a comic. Yeah. I have Hell's Paradise at sixteen. Okay. I just really feel like I lost the plot on Hell's Paradise. 
Oh, that's fine. Like, I feel like I missed, like, five chapters. I did not have that, so it went up a bit higher for me. What do you got at 15? I've got Undeaded and Luck at 15. So, I I do understand now that she had an undershirt on, and that was what she stretched over his head. So, at least that, that cleared up my confusion from last time of, how the hell did you make a button-up shirt stretch? And so, I thought it was... Like, I like the fact that they were like, don't worry, we'll protect you from him. Yeah, but he's right on top of her. Like, she's, like, literally touching him. He could just, like, you know, he can do his thing where he can shoot off his fingers. Why can't he, like, shoot off his ear or something like that? Like, that just felt a little contrived of, don't worry, we'll protect you from the guy that you're currently hugging. (laughs) I also have Undead and Unlock at 15. I just really don't care about this fight Mm -hmm. at all. It's still going like the, and like a giant meteor killing him seems really anticlimactic to me. It's you know it didn't actually kill, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yes. That being the fight ender. They've done the meteor before, so I was hoping it'd be something else. And you know I like the relationship between the characters fine, mm-hmm. but I'm not so invested in it that. Yeah. It feels like a big climactic moment. What do you have at fourteen? So I have Jujutsu Kaisen at fourteen. Like I said, I thought the fight was pretty cool. Megumi showing up at the end is cool. And I like the dude who's like, yeah, I've got the powers of the sea, so my attack in my domain is literally just I summon an endless stream of fish to murder you. I have Black Clover at 14. I like the last page splash, but it just had a lot of, you know, what I call Black Clover problems. Okay. I'm a, I'm a little surprised, but... That I went, it went, didn't go higher or that it... Didn't go higher. Really? Okay. Are you going to get into why when you talk about yes. it then? Because really, like, the girls are cute in it, but that's kind of all I got. I mean, and I found the villain really trite, and, you know, it showed in stuff, and in other contexts, I might have, like, really lapped that up, but their motivation just seems so nebulous. Mm-hmm. What do you have at 13? So I have Guardian of the Witch at, 14, at 13. Okay. I, I don't really have much more to say about it. That's fair. I don't know that I will when I get to it either. I have Chainsaw Man at 13. Okay. Curious where you put that, because it's a super interesting chapter. It yeah. just feels like a really awkward beat to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an advancement of a bunch of relationships, and, you know, obviously it's uh, not Denouement, because the last arc is over, but the sort of beat between, literally, we're talking about beat chapters. It, this feels like a more important beat than a lot of the ones. It just... Like, Power's development here felt really strange, Aki's felt really strange, and even Denji's. I do appreciate a lot of the inner monologue he's going through. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Chainsaw Man, I, the bits I liked more of the early stuff. But, yep. it, you know, in regards to Act-Age talking about it feeling off, off for the characters, that was kind of my feeling. Mm-hmm. And I still have no idea what the Darkness Demon did to them, so, her Darkness Devil. So that I mean, feels I think, odd, I, too. I think you just stole their arms. Gotcha. And they're just trauma, like, powers traumatized over the fact of, like, how powerless she was. Because, like, Aki doesn't seem to be too bothered by it. It seems to really just that's be true. power Almost. that's broken. Yeah. Although Aki might have seen it coming, literally. Yeah. I That's, that's yeah. probably exactly what it was. Is he saw it happening and was like, well, shit, I got nothing I can do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Definitely more interesting than I found Chainsaw Man late, but it didn't make me fall in love with the series again. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. have at 12? I have Hell's Paradise at 12. This is just kind of a 
all right, here are the teams for the final showdown, or not the fi- not the final showdown of yeah, this. Yeah, I know what you mean. This this is ironically me talking about how I kind of felt like I lost the plot. This chapter is a okay. Here's what's going on chapter. Yeah, I also really like that the one, the old samurai. Yeah, with the bamboo. With the bamboo sword, that is like, well, he still kills people with his bamboo sword, which is terrifying. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he sold his sword. Like, didn't the emperor kill him for that? No, the emperor didn't even notice. Yeah, because he was still completing his duties. Mm-hmm. I also like that he catches on to the the ninjas attacking and just deflects all of the kunai right back into their heads. Mm-hmm. And like, I like the explanation of kind of what his powers are, where he can like just feel how things interact with one another. Yeah. Which reminds me of this. There's a sci-fi show that I really like called Alphas that I think only got two seasons, but they're, it was these people with these amazing abilities. Like one guy had, I think it was called hyperkinesis and he could do something like he could trick shot a quarter into a vending machine from 300 feet away, like just (laughs) shoot it into the, the slot and Uh stuff like that. But there was this one character that it felt like he was able to warp reality because of the exact same thing. He could see the interactions between things so he's like if i do this it'll do this which will do this which will do this which will cause this to happen mm-hmm. anything else you want to say on it no i got guardian of the witch at 12 okay so i have chainsaw man at number 11 gotcha well i i totally agree with you. it was very weird denji having to take care of power was very interesting especially when He's like, I'm now sleeping with a girl and bathing naked with a girl. Why doesn't this feel like, isn't this supposed to feel naughty? And it doesn't. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I thought that was interesting. But the thing that really piqued my interest was the door at the end, which was uh-huh. a cliffhanger from quite a few chapters ago where we saw a rat walking up, or a rat or a cat or something like that walking up to the door. And so now it really has me wondering what the hell is going on with Denji and Makima. Uh huh. Because, like, I took that to be, oh, so Makima, because she can apparently see through rats or, like, small creatures or something like that. So it was like, does this door exist in reality? Is this door, like, inside Denji's soul? What's going on? Yeah. Like I said, I found it a lot more interesting. Uh, if we get more of this, Chainsaw Man's going to rise and rise. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, it still felt weird. Like, I still kind of don't have the, the taste. Out of, out of my mouth of the way the last chapter ended. Mm-hmm. Which is almost the point of this chapter in some ways. Yes. But... The other thing that had me laughing hysterically, which we don't normally talk about, is the character poll for Chainsaw oh, Man. Oh, yeah. Where... Yeah, it says something about your character poll when your main character gets sixth, <laughs> your main... and somebody's car got eighth. No, their car got... Kobeni's car got seventh. Kobeni got eighth. Okay. So her oh, car, okay. she got beat by her car in the character poll. Ugh, yeah. And power, really? I mean, power does nothing for me. Yeah, that was weird. Like, I get Makima. Yeah. But yeah, that, I don't know. Kobeni's car being number seven, just, I was like, you... <laughs> just laughing. There's not a lot of characters in uh, Chainsaw Man. <laughs> or a shit ton of write-ins. Because it got, like, oh, almost 10,000 votes, I saw. I was like, yeah. wow. Elect Kobeni's car 2019. 
2020, I guess. I have Mitama at 11. Okay. Mostly because it did make me laugh, and I felt like that made it go above a bunch of the generic Shonen stuff that just felt like beats. Like, really, Mitama is, I don't want to say the quality line, because my number 10 I have a lot to say about, but Mm -hmm. the stuff below it was just like, yeah, that was nothing. Yep. What do you have at 10? I've got Mori King at 10. Uh, this was the okay. start of the the chapters that just made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of have that block here, too. Honestly. Yeah, it was like, Mori King, uh, I laughed at it. It was funny. It had some great bits. You know, I loved the Shoko's two friends being like, uh, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not her boyfriend. I'm her pet. And they're like, you have that kind of relationship? You're only in yep. middle school. Yep. Look, Mario King went a bit higher for me, and that joke is why. <laughs> it was really and good. There were some other good ones too, but yeah, that that's the one that's really like it's well paced too. Yeah, this upcoming comedy block was kind of hard for me to rank. Like they're all fairly even. Uh huh. What did you have at ten? I have Bone Collection at ten, okay. and I kind of agree with you. The direction is weird. There's a lot of I feel like, oh, I'm good at drawing cute girls, so I'll put another one in slash. There, that's the part of this that's appealing to people, so I'll do more of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked the big tough guy that's actually a little girl, and I kind of like her relationship with Hara, but like the Bone Collection charm is wearing off. I feel like it really needs to do something with this next, with this arc it's entering into, and I don't know if it's up to it. Definitely, I already had it at a higher level than you, yeah. so it fell pretty dramatically for me. But the main reason it that far. has been so poor for me is it's just like a gravity boys where it's like i don't find the comedy funny and i it's not to say that it's bad it's just like it's a comedy that i don't find funny so i'm just like if there's if we weren't doing this podcast i would just skip it i'd just be like yeah and i def i definitely would um but it might be getting to the point where i would think about it at this point Mm mm-hmm because, like, while it's a Shodan battle setup, it's got no drama in it thus far. And, like, this is the first attempt to inject it into it. So, yeah. It really needs to do this right, I think. What do you have at number nine? I have Mission Yozakura at number nine. Okay. I liked Mission Yozakura. It made me laugh. I liked the bit with Goliath being, you know, he's typically this tiny little dog. And it's like, oh, I let him stretch out his legs. And he turns into, like, a super wolf. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, again, I think I'll have more to say sure. on it when I get to where I put it. I have Mashal at 9. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was funny. I didn't really enjoy it as much as last week, but the competition wasn't as strong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a little, clever little bit of Shonen at the end. The gags still pretty much land. It was funny. Like, starting with the joke we ended on last week is a strong move, because that was a strong joke. Yep. And there's good ones in here, too, where he's like, basically, you just want to live an easy life, too. <laughs> Yes, I liked that. I love the the girl who was like, "Did I see what I thought I saw?" Where he ripped a button off of the jester and then sucked the coin back in with the force of his lungs and then spat yeah. the button at him. Yeah, no, Mashal was good this week. Yeah, it was my number eight. Like I, I gotcha. found myself laughing quite a lot to the "Oh, you just want to live an easy life too" kind of thing, and then. When he, and not suplexes, but when he does the, whatever move he does on the puppet that turns out to be the dude that he beat the shit out of last time. Yeah. Being like, whoops, I almost crushed that guy's head. Well, if this is a challenge, I need to go take this guy to the nurse, but then I'll fight you. 
Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I got Mori King at 8. Okay. I guess, like I said, that pet joke was good. A+. Yeah. What do you have at 7? I have Dr. Stone at 7. Gotcha. It, like you said, it felt like just a good chapter of Dr. Stone, so I liked it. I got Promised Neverland at 7, because like I said, I felt the beat was very odd. Okay. And like, we're kind of out of the comedy and up to like, uh, oh, I really enjoyed this top 7. But yeah, that felt odd to me, so that's where I put it. Mm-hmm. So I have Black Clover up at six. Okay. A lot of that. What did I miss? Tell me. <laughs> you didn't like Mermaid Noel. Oh, I liked Mermaid Noel just fine. I'd say, look, um, I guess this is the way to put it. Black Clover would have gotten much lower without Mermaid Noel bailing it out. I don't know. I I well, liked it looks like the water stuff. Like the setup there is good, but like I said, the villain's monologue just felt so flat to me. The yeah, I just want to fight strong guys, like. And that's super classic for, like, oh, I need to give this villain a motivation, right? But that's a a pretty C-tier motivation. They're also not the main villain. Like, yeah, no, she's the no, villain of the not. arc, but it's like, I'm one of the high-level mooks working behind the shadows. Like, oh my god, you're going to kill 90% of the population? Well, I don't like weaklings anyway. So, like, it makes me, to me, that makes her even worse, uh, or a, a even better villain, because I hate her more, because it's like, really, that's your you know, your goal for being the bad guy is like, I, I don't care about weak people. I just want to fight strong people. I mean, yeah, but th- this is a little unfair to Black Clover because I don't think this is actually accurate. I feel like the chump that fights Zoro in any given arc of One Piece has a better motivation than this person. And that's the level they're on, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not a henchman. They are, you know, middle management, so to speak. They're fighting a character I do care about. Not one of the, you know, lesser characters. Like, they all got to fight. And like I said, that's a weird type walk to rope. And I appreciate that, you know, he didn't tried not to abandon them. Like, happens with 90% of the cast of Naruto, let's say. Yep. Same with Dragon Ball. But I feel like you need to raise the stakes up for this mid-level boss if you're going to do that. Like, the people that Asta and Yuna are fighting should definitely be the, you know, the top tier, you know, full background stuff. But I feel like the people fighting... I do like the person that Ast is fighting. Well, he Ast is currently unconscious. Yeah. But yeah. I like that guy more than this girl who's getting beat by. I don't want to call them the the girl squad, but. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and that's an unfortunate truth of shonen manga. I just feel like this person should be on that character's level, and that character should be a little higher, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like th- this person, like she has a motivation, so I guess that's better than the person who fought the lightning guy, right? and the yeah. person fighting the food one, but it, it doesn't feel like enough to me, and that's why it went low. But, like, Mermaid Noel put it up, like, probably a good four spots. Yeah, no, that was great, and the whole, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, like, drown this entire area with water, and then use Noel, the water princess, to kick your ass. Yeah, I mean, it's good, I like the beat, but, like, like, like I said, it had Black Clover problems, what I mean is, yes, I understood all that, but, mm-hmm. like, I had to stare at the page to figure out that gotcha. was the plan. And look, Mermaid Noel, A+. Not as good as Night Noel from the last arc. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen this trick before in Black Clover. Yep. And you're, it's not topping itself. Where are we, six? Yeah. I have My Hero at six. Okay. I pretty much feel like I said my bit on My Hero. Like I said, felt like a weird beat with lots of filler. Uh, but what was good was good, so. Mm-hmm. What do you got at five? So I have Act Age at five. Okay. I liked Act Age. I really did. And I just, 
I think I like some of the stuff a bit more above it. I don't really have much to say else on it. Gotcha. Like I feel like we talked about it a lot. Yeah, so interesting. I have Time Paradox Ghost Rider at five. Mm-hmm. And I, we talked about it a lot, too. The weird direction combined with, like, you know, sometimes you, you write a thesis to a series in order to knock it down later, mm-hmm. which I do think is probably the intent here. I just found it very odd where my head is at right now. Yeah. What do you have at four? I have my hero at four. Gotcha. I, I liked some of the beats in there, but it wasn't super amazing. Mm-hmm. I have Mission Yozakura family at four. Okay. Like you said, I, I found the gags all landed, and it's just like a quick, cute story. I really like the cuteness between Tayo and his wife mm-hmm. when it gets to be on display, especially for these quick stories. So, you know, and at the end, the dog accepts him, and that's cute. Yeah. What is in your top three? So I have the Promise Neverland at top three. Okay. I I like this. I like the the shift on the twist of like, all right, so Emma's now in this frozen wonderland, or, you know, frozen tundra. What does that mean for her? Mm-hmm. I got Dr. Stone at three. Okay. Because, like, I, you know, I said it early on, not my favorite issue of Jump, a standout ish, uh, chapter of Dr. Stone. Mm-hmm. Ends up going pretty high in that. What is your number two? My number two is Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Even though gotcha. I felt like it was a weird direction, I still really liked a lot of the stuff in it. Like, I really loved the explanation of the G-Pen and him being like, Mangaka have constantly cut themselves on it uh, when they're not paying attention. Sure, she like whips out the pen and starts running at him. He's like, oh my god, she's gonna murder me. She's become a slasher villain. And she's like, what? No, I just wanted to show you how much I've used my G-Pen. <laughs> That's not the way you do that. I got We'd Never Learn It To. Again, I threw okay. my bit on it. It was still super cute, but it had those, like I said, weird structural bumps that made me put the chapter a bit lower. Gotcha. Whereas I had it as my number one. I just, yeah. I really liked that, like I said, it wasn't the insert waifu here ending. Uh, that it was, all right, we're going to change this, so this is how the Furuhashi story involves, and it involved us going back in time a little bit, versus, you know, the other one just kind of flowed naturally, the Ogata one had to speed forward just a little bit, so we'll just see how these other stories wrap up, and I like that it's like, no, all the endings, while they are all, like, you, they're all p- kind of choose-your-own-adventure, I do like that it's not like, after this point, we just insert the ending. I Look, you have no idea how much I'm now holding out for Yu-Gi-Oh's, uh, the ending with Sensei, is Yu-Gi-Oh got stuck back in time. <laughs> that That is my now my fondest wish for we never learned. I have Act Age at one, and I wonder if it, it hadn't come after Time Paradox Ghost Rider if it would have went so high. I've even criticized Act Age before for how tropey the, oh, we have to create starving artist thing is. Mm-hmm. But I appreciated that. I really appreciated Kay being like, hey, I want to choose my own work now. Like, taking identity for herself. Yeah. I really like that beat. I like the description of his super artsy film. Yeah, where it was just like, I was just trying to show off the woman's beauty. Well, even the fact that, like, you never see her face in the... Well, that's what I mean. He was trying to, like... He was like, I was trying to show off her inner beauty. Yeah. Because even Kay was like, you never see her face, and I didn't notice it until the credits, but I still felt everything that I was supposed to be feeling in the mm-hmm. story. So like people who don't, you know, why oh, I didn't get it at all. Is this kind of some kind of art film? And like, that's, I'm not going to say that's me a lot of the time because I can definitely look at those artsy films and kind of get 
at least a little bit of what they're going for. Let, but I let definitely me have... kind of not put you down, but say that if, if you and me are together, I am the person who's like, yes, this art film is great. And you're the person yes. who is like, um, that, yeah, I, I am the, definitely the person that I have to be in the mood for an artsy film. Yeah. I mean, you're the person who I think, I don't know if you would champion, but you would be up for a manga that was just like, ha- kind of had nothing to say, but was good and exciting. Yeah. Because as like, I know a lot of people, you know, oh, you need to have something to say. How, like, to me, I'm reading this for entertainment. I'm not reading this to gain a better philosophical understanding of myself. Or the world. Now, it's cool when you can mash the two together, but I can absolutely just enjoy entertainment for entertainment. Yeah, and I just think if you don't have anything to say, you can't produce something good, typically. And unfortunately, that means sometimes media gets across that has bad messages. And there's also reckless media where the author is sending a message they clearly don't intend. But Mm -hmm. we talk about Odai and this weird exception he is all the time. The thing about Odai is he is like the very embodiment of the idea that get the job you want and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And that's also kind of the message of One Piece. Like, we all know that when he gets to One Piece, it's not going to be anything. That's the most obvious thing in the world. Yeah. But but it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's super interesting how the creation of One Piece mirrors that so clearly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that about does it for Jump Card. Anything else you wanted to say? I will nope. let you have the last word since I often steal it. I'm good. All right. Speaking of One Piece, we will be talking about Volume 3 after the break. We read One Piece Volume 3 this week. It's getting to that point where the series becomes, I don't want to say muddled, but I've been reading a lot of American comics this week. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing I talk about all the time. Manga volumes, I think early on, a lot of writers worry about where, where the collected volume is going to end. Like, even this one ends on a pretty decent cliffhanger. Yep. But they're not contained stories. And as One Piece gets longer and longer, it would become more and more impossible for them to but this is well, the yeah. end of the buggy story and the start of the uh, Kuro story, or the Usopp story, if you prefer. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it straddles that. It's also super interesting that we get this super long chapter in the middle that I had kind of forgotten about. That, again, going to American comics almost feels like an annual. Like it's outside of the regular story. Mm-hmm. And it's completely self-contained. Now they do some world building in there, and they show awesome character for both Luffy and Nami that I think is important, especially the Nami bits we see in here are yeah. important going forward. And it's where we find out the Grand Line exists and what its deal is and some geography stuff that I honestly remember coming much later. Yeah. But that just makes it interesting. I do want to continue revisiting stuff, but it's always strange when we come back to something after a year, even something we're as familiar with as One Piece, where this is not my first or second time reading this story. Yep. What did you think of it? I still liked it. There was just the the weird art change in like one of the middle chapters for like 
four pages where like everything was more shaded than normal. That happens a lot. I my suspicion is it may have been a color page in the original. Totally Oftentimes possible. you'll see that with color pages. The thing is, it was in the middle of the chapter, which is pretty unusual for color pages. Yeah. Yeah, and that's happened in One Piece before. It's usually only for a page or two, though. Yeah, and it was just like, it just, that popped out to me. I was like, huh, this is weird. Normally he doesn't shade everything as much as he did in this one. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it was like a splash page, like the Perseus crossing the sea in Dr. Stone, where it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this has a ton more detail than it normally has, but it's like, hey, check out my kick-ass splash page. You know, it could be a new assistant shaded it. It could be as something as that, and they yeah. didn't have time to go back and fix it. Lots of reasons that sort of thing can happen. We also, like, going back to a testament of one of the things I appreciate whenever we go back to One Piece is, like, Odai is so good at pretending he had all this planned out. And, you know, some portion of that's pretending, some portion of that is he had an outline. Mm-hmm. But he's so good at making it work. And, like, Silver's Rayleigh shows up in this chapter. And I'm like, yep. holy shit, that is actually Silver. Like, the design's changed a little bit, but you can easily disguise that as he just got old. Yep. That's clearly the guy. And now, did Odai decide later to reuse that character design when he put everything together? Did he know that Buggy and Shanks were on Roger's ship at this point? Seems like he probably did, just like looking at everything we get. It's a little weird that they would have just given Buggy the fruit, but not totally weird? Yeah. Uh, I think it was like, uh, from what I can tell, not many of the Roger's pirates had devil fruit powers. Yeah. Yes, there's absolutely that bit. And also the Buggy's like, oh, you're all too soft, which certainly sounds like Roger. Yep. Buggy's like, I'm all about the money. And Roger's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't give a shit about the money. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, we we could use some money so we could buy some beer when we get to town. But yeah, but but after that, who cares? Yeah. I assume he was also an anime big eater, but we don't actually know that about Roger. Uh, and maybe he wasn't in his late years because of the cancer. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's super interesting. Like I said, I don't know to what mix of having this planned out and being good at faking it it is, but it has to be some combination. And it's always impressive when you go back and just realize, hey, it works, when so much yep. must have changed. And even like if you read the, I assume you read it on uh, Shannon Jump's website. Yeah. If you have the print volume, there's a bunch of bonus material where it shows um, original designs for Buggy's crew. No, that was still nearly- in the... Oh, is that it? was still in the Shona Jump stuff, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but the, so it had I, the the original design where uh, Buggy was first... What was his name? Boogie. Boogie, that was it. He was like, yeah, I was going to name him Boogie, and then I watched a movie with a character named Boogie, so I was like, well, I guess I'll name him Buggy, and it was like total time spent thinking of names, 0.2 seconds. Yeah. Well, the more interesting thing is that he originally planned for Zoro to be Buggy's bodyguard, who switched sides. Yep. And, you know this series has gone on so much longer than he intended. In part, I think it's, again, some extra volume stuff. One of the, I think it's the second or third volume of My Hero Academia. The guy says, um, I was talking with the creator of Naruto, and I told him I had this tournament arc planned out, and it was going to go so many chapters. And he laughed and said, yeah, whenever you plan to take up a certain number of chapters, you should probably just double that. And he mm-hmm. was right. It turned out to be exactly no- double the number of chapters. So yeah. part of it is that. Part of it is definitely scope creep. And Odai getting sort of, if I say lost in his characters, that sounds more critical than I want it to. But giving them room to breathe. Yeah. Well, I've 
been reading uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, and that's the afterwards have been really interesting because the author really goes a lot into you know like yeah, so I I had the web version of this up first, and then it got published, and so I've been fleshing stuff out more. And he was talking about how, like, I expected to be at the point we are now in Volume 5 at the end of Volume 4. But the story just kept expanding because I kept adding more dialogue and more scenes and all this other stuff. And it's like, he was like, at first I was kind of worried talking to my editor, like, I want to add more stuff. And eventually the editor is just kind of like, yeah, that's fine. Because, like, it seems to be doing well. So I like the, and it's probably the same thing that happened with, like, all right, I have this idea. Well, that idea, I fleshed it out and fleshed out a little bit more, and then suddenly it's 30 chapters longer than I was expecting. And at the end of the day, as long as it sells, that works, right? That's the thing we always talk about the One Piece, except Odai can just do whatever he wants, because he doesn't have to worry about being canceled at all. One Piece is kind of too big to fail at this point. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of those light novels, and even some of these, like, One Piece can play around a lot more than some other chapter, or some other manga can, but, like, I totally feel even some of like the my hero dude being like oh, I can double the number of chapters I have in my tournament arc and his editors being like that's fine as long as it's good that's actually better for you right yeah. like that's more issues of shonen jump that you're putting out with my hero in it yeah. or this is more light novels you're selling because like I'm expanding the story it's still good people are still reading it that's better for us that's another book to publish that's more money to rake in like of course yeah. we're not going to tell you no yeah, as long as you got the editor, and as long as you can capture it. The, I, I'm not a light novel guy, you know that. The, I mm-hmm. think risk there of light novels is, you know, I I can say I've never read a night light novel, but I've watched some anime based on it. And sometimes I go back to say, okay, so how many novels was this? And I see, and I'm like, holy crap, what happened in these novels that, like, so they were adapted so quickly? ReZero is the one that really stands out to me, where I feel like nothing must happen in those novels. And part of that is, I just, I think, a speedy and well-paced anime adaptation of them. But I think a lot of them don't necessarily, like, outlive their usefulness, but they, like, get too caught up in that. But as long as they're selling, they're not punished for it. Well, ReZero is one of the ones, normally it's a couple of episodes per light novel, generally speaking. There's one light novel of, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon, that was converted into one episode. Yeah. Which is normally seen as a bad thing. But the review that I was reading was like, and I I liked the episode, was actually like, I'm kind of amazed that they managed to, like, they just put the entire light novel into one episode. Like, it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like anything got cut out. They just managed to put the whole thing. And I think some of that is, if you have a lot of dialogue, that tends to take up a ton of page space, but not Mm -hmm. as much anime time or battle scenes can also yeah. that's something that you can just breeze through with an anime and uh-huh. uh you know if you're ex- doing all the attacks also a lot of these light novels like overlord or i'm a spider now so what some of their stuff is filled with hey here are the main character's stats and when you're reading these giant stack bricks that the anime will just ignore yeah uh not that spider has a anime yet but not to get too off on a like medium, which I've already said I don't read, so I'm not really mm. equipped to critique. But the interesting thing about light novels is so many of them are adapted from the web novel version. So you're you're adopting a novel into another novel, 
And I think that's why you can get too slow if there's danger. And to some degree, yes. you want to do that because in a certain way, it's like paying for a director's cut or a DVD extra. And in other ways, it's the author going, oh, I'm a much better writer now than when I was writing basically fanfic plus one. Yep. So let me go down back and do a decent job of writing this because like all creators, I'm terribly embarrassed of the terrible work I used to do. Yeah. Well, and that's, that is what, like I've, I've read a lot of light novel afterwards and that, especially the ones that are adapted from a web novel, a lot of them are like, even that time I got reincarnated as a slime was like, yeah, I almost completely went off the plot here at this point. Like I just started changing stuff like crazy because I realized I'm a better writer now than I, he didn't say that, but it's like, I wanted yeah. to do this thing. And so because of that thing, I had to change this thing. And it's like, like you said, it's like, I was writing fanfic. People tended to like it. It actually, it's kind of like that time paradox ghostwriter where he was like, yeah, I made manga when I was a kid, but it ended up just being a rip off of other things. But my friends liked it. Not that these fanfics are rip offs of no. other things necessarily, but it was like, yeah, I just put this out online as like, ah, I can write, this will be fun. And enough people liked it that I was like, well, maybe I should like actually put some effort into it and getting an editor giving me feedback on like, you know, hey, maybe if you try changing this thing or maybe if you expand more on this thing, have you ever thought about this? Like that helps me evolve the story as well. Yeah, this is actually a more interesting conversation than I think what we're going to say about One Piece. But back to One Piece so we don't go off yes. on this too long. That's fair. Because I was I about to go into a launch about a thing about adaptations, but we'll save that for a number another time. We wrap up the buggy story here. It's like I say, it's interesting how One Piece has it from the beginning. Every One Piece story is kind of the same. Because like in some ways, I was like, oh, the Usopp story is the first real One Piece story because it's got a big bully of a villain with a master plan and the guy who ends up joining the crew. Mm -hmm. Like it's the first one with every piece of the pie. But also, like I said, that first Alveda story is a One Piece story, and the Shanks origin story isn't One Piece story. It's just with Luffy as the damsel in distress rather than the hero. Yep. It really is amazing that he gets away with it so well. Because, you know, all his villains are Frieza, to a degree. Uh, if it if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's just, like I said, it's it's interesting to go back. It's When you pull it apart, it's really interesting to see what's there. Mm -hmm. Because when, like I said, when I read uh, Time Paradox Ghostwriter, I started to think, well, is he saying this about, like, One Piece and stuff? Because to a degree, there there is there's messages in Dragon Ball. There are positive messages. But there's not a lot there. Mm -hmm. Like, I can think of a lot more unintentional negative messages in Dragon Ball than I can positive. But in One Piece, it's, like I said, there's the stuff about following your dreams and the, like I said, the, the journey being more important to the destination. And if you look at Odai, mm -hmm. he lives that life. And yep. so, like, yes, One Piece is, in some ways, derivative. It would not exist without Dragon Ball. And it keeps like playing the same song again and again but it's very good at it every time luffy finally punches the guy it's satisfying yep it just makes it difficult to talk to about when you're going on the same story and we can talk characters well but we have a whole segment for that yep it's one of the reasons i think i found the like story in the middle so interesting because i'd forgotten about it and like i said it feels not like a filler story exactly but, like, it doesn't feel like a One Piece story in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think in part maybe because there is no villain. Well, and I, what I remember from a lot of this early One Piece is there's a there's a fair number of these little tiny one-shot islands kind of sprinkled around. 
like that. Like, there's the time he meets the two giants. That is not a one-shot, my friend. No. We will get there. But I, but, I take your point, though. Like, I, I know it's not a one-shot, but, like, you compare that to, you know, his, like, 60-chapter arcs. Mm-hmm. A little four-chapter arc thing. It's a bit longer than that, is what I'm saying. I think it's at least two volumes when we get there, I bet you. With the really? Giant. You know, I did watch the anime of that more more recently than I've read the manga, so maybe I'm just remembering it. With uh, Mr. Three? Yeah. I feel like they're there for a while. I, I don't know. But we'll get there. Then. It's been it's been forever. Yeah. But that's what I mean, where it's like, we have these kind of little sprinklings of these little side stories, at least in the beginning, kind of fleshing out more of the world. You know, Luffy making friends all over the place. Yeah, and like I said, in some ways, I feel like the Usopp story is the first One Piece story. That's, like I just said, BS, because the first One Piece story is the first One Piece mm-hmm. story. It's already there. But I find it super interesting that, like, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with the story, there's an evil butler. He used to be a pirate. He has put himself in the graces of this sickly girl and is going to have one of his crew, former crewmates hypnotize her into writing him into her will and then have her killed in an accident so he can retire rich without the Navy chasing him. Yep. It's super interesting to me that they make a point of him being like, yeah, actually, her parents' death wasn't part of my plan. Yeah. Just because, like I said, all, all the One Piece villains are Frieza. And what I mean by that is they're all irredeemable bullies that just revel in their power. And that's yep. why it's so satisfying to see Luffy finally punch them. And I just feel like every One Piece villain is just the most vile thing they can be. And Odai keeps finding ways to one-up himself. So it's interesting that there's restraint. Mm-hmm. Because, like, him killing the parents is the obvious thing to have happened. And so it feels like it should be the reveal that makes him re- makes us realize he's even worse than we thought. Which I just found it to be an interesting bit. Anything else you wanted to say, actually, about One Piece, Kevin? Not really. It's still really fun to read, even though... Oh, yeah. This will be my second read-through of One Piece, because I've only ever gone through it once. And I... The buggy fight is super good. We didn't even talk about that. There's the bit where he kicks him in the balls. That's yep. like a super good joke in the middle of this serious fight. Well, also when he's messing with his really feet, well he's drawn. Like, oh, your your feet are stuck on the ground, which is what we know one of Buggy's weaknesses is. Is though even though he can fly around with his body parts, uh, his feet have to stay on the ground. And you're right about it being a thrill to read. I feel like I might have dismissed it too early, so I'm glad you brought that up. Because usually, mm-hmm. like almost like clockwork, taking notes the way I do, it takes me an hour to read a volume of manga for this show. Mm-hmm. Even Bakuman, which I love, which I think in part is because with Bakuman I take more detailed notes. Uh, this took me exactly thirty minutes. Yeah, it was, and it was a lot of fun. Still, super recommend One Piece. I mean, if you got a hundred yep. bucks and you want some manga, buy that first box set. You're not going to be disappointed. And it comes in a freaking treasure chest. Tell me you don't want a treasure chest in your bookshelf. <laughs> But if you don't want to spend a hundred bucks, you can spend two dollars a month <laughs> and access true. the whole thing on the Shonen or the Viz website. And then so, you don't have to worry about how you're going to move this treasure chest when you move out. Yes, but literally every chapter of One Piece is up, and for two bucks, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, worth well worth it for that. Anything else we want to say on One Piece? No. All right, that just leaves us with personality power level then. Personality Power Level is the segment where we rank characters from manga from best to worst. At the top is Luffy's mortal enemy, the best ninja Uzumaki Naruto. 
at the very bottom is that guy who's not ya- even Yamcha from the time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Dead in the center is our good friend Buggy the Clown at number 39, who I don't think we need to miss. No. We got Luffy at number 11, just out of the top 10. He's kind of a North Star for us, so I don't think he's ever going to move. Because The we, big thing with the One so Piece often. dudes is we've rated them all yeah. off of having already read... Experience all of One Piece. Piece. That's well, it. all of One Piece currently. So, like, unless something huge happens yeah. in one of the current chapters of One Piece that makes Luffy the best thing ever, I I doubt it, but it Which could is more happen. likely you for Buggy, know. honestly, I think. Yes. It's more likely that Buggy will move, or that... I guess those are the only two that we have on there, because this is Volume 3. Yeah, who do we want to add, becomes the question. Yep. So we got Zoro, Nami, and Usopp actually in the story right now. Uh-huh. We've also potentially got Kuro. I don't think we have to. And if we do, it would be better to rate him next week anyway. Yeah. And I suppose Colby and Django are also characters I would want on this list eventually, but we didn't even we barely touched on Django this week, so. Yeah. I I would be more interested in Colby and Django than Kuro cuz Kuro kind of just <laughs> vanishes yeah. after this. Some of the One Piece villains come back, but is, say, is Kuro the worst One Piece villain? He's probably better than Axe and Morgan. He's definitely not going on this. Yeah. But anyway, who are you feeling? I'm kind of feeling Nami, because... I think I agree with you. I know this is the introduction of Usopp, but... He hasn't really done anything yet, though, right? No. We know who he is. We know his background. I think it's pretty clear from his design and his interaction with Luffy, he's going to join the crew. Mm-hmm. Nami's also in a weird spot, right? Where she's still a thief. We haven't gotten to yeah. her big thing yet. Like, part of me wants to save Nami for way later, but... No, not way later, but a couple of volumes for now. But I think I agree with you, and it's a good time to put her on. Because it's not like we don't know about Arlong Park. <laughs> I see Arlong's going on this list, and Arlong might be the top villain on this list for a long time. We'll see. It also yeah. depends, on, it depends on what else we read, I guess. Really. Yeah, but this is the problem we're going to have with picking One Piece characters yeah. to put onto the list. Is like, well... Basically, everyone that we could pick either is a, and there's not that many of them, a two-bit villain that vanishes after the arc, or somebody that sticks around forever that it's just going to be like, well, like, you know, there's that thing later on with Usopp that I would really love to rate him afterwards, except there's no way in hell we can save Usopp till chapter 600 or whenever that is. Well, we'll see, though, because I feel like rating the two-bit characters when they exit is a good plan. Like, I would insist on rating Buggy, except for that we did it last week. Or not last week, last year. But you know what. Mm-hmm. So, Nami is very comparable to Bulma. I don't want to say all One Piece vet characters are just better versions of Dragon Ball characters. But I do feel like Nami's a better version of Bulma, mostly because Odai's better at sticking her in the story and keeping her relevant. Yes. Bulma's had a real resurgence post-Super, which is nice, but yeah, Nami hasn't needed that. Yeah, she's always been in the story, and even though she's never, for a very long time, she's a horrible fighter. Even, like, before the time skip, she's not great, but she's even still like always after a the part time of it. skip, she's never really a combat character. She's way more of a plan utility player. Yes. She fights less often than Usopp, despite mm-hmm. being the better fighter than him. And I don't really know why I started with Bulma, because let's be real, Nami's a good candidate for best character in One Piece. Yeah. I I don't think she quite gets the crown, but I definitely think she's better than Luffy. Yes. Yeah, her whole backstory is great. I really like 
a lot of the stuff going on with between her and Arlong. Yeah, and she can, like I said, it's great that she continues to feel relevant. She's like a grounding force, which is super nice. Her relationship with Usopp's really good. Her relationship with Luffy is really good. Her relationship with Nami is really good. And just like when she does a thing in a story, it always changes the direction of the story. Mm-hmm. And in a surprising way, she doesn't just punch things out of the story. Yep. She usually builds on them. Do we think she's better than Emma from The Promised Neverland? Hmm. That's really tough for me. My leaning is yes, but I agree with you, it's very tough. Who do we have right above Emma? We have Yusuke Urameshi, my son, right above Emma. So do you think he's, uh, she's better than Yusuke? No. And I suppose uh, we have yep. Mashiro from Bakuman right below Emma. Yeah, I, I definitely like her more than Mashiro. Okay. I haven't seen as much of Mashiro, but... yeah. Um, There's also not as much of Machiro to have seen, even if you had yes. consumed all of him. Yeah, but I meant, I have not yeah. seen, like, if we were doing percentages of their character arcs yeah. here. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I, I will let you make the decision above or below Emma. I, 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 will, I will saddle you with this bird. Uh, I will say above Emma. Like you said, it's it's always fun when Nami's around, and it's one of those I always like when she's involved in things, especially when like with her first climatact. Yeah. That during the Alabast arc. Yeah, it's Aww. so great when she's like, this thing's freaking useless. <laughs> like it's a bunch of party tricks. Yeah. So Nami, no last name given, will go at number eight above Emma from the Promised Neverland and below Yusuke Hirameshi from Yu Yu Hakusho, knocking all might out of the top ten. Yeah, well You couldn't stay there forever. He is a yep. supporting player. All right, that about does it for this week. Join us next week when we are diving back into Flame of Rekka. We are on Volume 5 now, I think. It's right behind me. Yes, Volume volume 5. So that will be fun. Yes. I flipped through it a bit today to make sure it was the next one. And it looks like it'll be a good one. Neat. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website, where you can check out past episodes as well as join our Discord, which I don't think I've plugged in a little while. www.patreon.com slash lastpodcast is our Patreon page. Right now it's basically a chip jar, since we haven't had a chance to record much, but I can say this every week, so I won't say it this week. Stuff should be coming soon, though, I hope. There's at least a plan. Yes. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin? So I don't know if we've plugged it on the show before, but everyone should be watching My Next Life as a Villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom. It's pretty good. I'm pretty sure it's all on the show left. I know that's not true, because uh, Fruit's Basket is still going, because it's by the animation, same animation studio. Well, it's like, Fruit Baskets is still going, I'm watching Tower of God and really enjoying that. Okay. Yeah, that's still going. I think that's the only three that I'm watching currently right now, though. Because a bunch of them got delayed, which is fine. Yeah, do what you have to do. Yeah, but Villainous is great. I really enjoyed the last episode. So. Yeah, the last one was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Have a good one, guys.
the ships and sinews. 